Hello, and welcome to episode 71 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. My name is Mark Morell. I'm a co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And? And I am the host today, along with... Jane Jazrawi, the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Do you think we'll get to a point where we don't see any purpose in introducing ourselves anymore? We're not famous, really. Well, there's a picture of us (laughs) on the podcast. Our names are listed there. And then every single episode, it's only the two of us. 72, 71 episodes. I don't know. I feel like I should do it, but I also kind of feel like it's I have no thoughts. I have no thoughts right now on that. So here we are. It's a Friday afternoon coming into a long weekend. Mm -hmm. The sun is coming in the window and is just catching the edge of my eye. So in a few minutes, it's going to be blasting me. Well, I'm really jealous because I'm on the other side of the door. And you're freezing. And it's freezing in here. Well, we're going to do it like the old Letterman show where we keep it cold to keep people alert and alive. And we're just going to have to keep the energy flowing and keep the blood going to it's keep not, you warm. It's not about keeping people alert and alive. I think it's more about people wearing lots of suit jackets that are warm. And so they want the temperature a certain way. There's a whole study of things where... Um, people have done research on this where they keep office temperatures too cold for women. Yes. And it's mostly for men. That's for the comfort of men. Yes, men and women like different temperatures in general. However, Letterman was notorious for having his studio colder than any other place around because he wanted the audience to stay awake. He didn't want it to ever get warm enough that they would get sleepy. And it became well known that you need to bundle up to go see Letterman. Yeah, I think if you're entertained, you're not going to be sleepy. So I think that was kind of just being mean. Well, it was also one of the ways that he helps offset the guest who may not be the most most energized and the most engaging guest. You're at least going to have an audience that's awake and not doing what you just did, yawning into the microphone. Did I yawn? You just yawned into the microphone. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is how thrilling I am. Everybody listening, I'm very sorry. I'm, I'm pretty beat. Well, the clock is running down before the uh, long weekend starts. On Friday afternoon, So this may end up being the shortest episode, yes, and then we'll do like a Fred Flintstone and get out there. Can we be done now? (laughs) We have to, uh, we do have to talk about some things, and the biggest thing that is new since our last episode is we have had our announcement of our best fleets to drive for. Uh, It was a day or two after the last episode came out, so now we can finally sort of disclose or talk without worry about the top 20 and the Hall of Fame and the fleets to watch and who's on the list and who isn't. Okay, can I say that on the Hall of Fame topic, uh, Marley Hall from the TCA just sent me this morning a text of a video of the Hall of Fame trophies. The unboxing. The un- yes. Well, it was kind of an unboxing. She had boxes in the background, but she had... There's a part of it, I don't know if she's going to post it today or not, but there's a part of it that she was like holding in her hand. Like they, there's two parts to it. Yeah. And uh, they're very, very different from the normal trophy and they're going to look so nice. Yeah. They look so cool. We're a little worried about, because they're in two parts, a little worried about them coming apart while people are watching, walking on stage. So we're going to have to deal with that. The weirdest things, the things that you never thought you were ever going to have to worry about in your life. Yeah. How a trophy might 
end up broken on Well, you don't ever think of a trophy as being a multi-part thing. You assume it's like one single piece. Yeah, I think for the most part they are. I, it never occurred to me that they weren't, it yeah. wasn't in one piece, but if you, yeah. Didn't occur to me that these were going to be in multiple parts and like you have to assemble them. No, you don't really have to assemble it. It's like one part goes on top of the other. But That's assembly. I it's don't a simple know. IKEA instruction, but it's still, <laughs> still an instruction. It's, it's more about it, you know, people being nervous and shaking oh, them yeah. and I don't know how solid they are. I mean, I didn't, I haven't held them like Marty, Marley put it together. So mm. I, I don't know. Well, but these are the hall the of fame trophies. Yeah. So anybody who's in the hall of fame has been on that stage often enough. That yeah. They're probably going to be okay there. Yeah, that's true. So, so the hall of fame, well, I mean, the hall of fame is, is kind of interesting because of the hall of fame, but the people who are, or the companies that are on the hall of fame are the ones that have been, in the program and winning the program and been overall winners a number of times. So they are actually, well, they are interesting because they're doing really good things. But the thing that I find more, more exciting is that there is new blood on the top 20. 10 new names out of the top 20. Yeah. We finally got out of the four new names and everybody kind of, you know, being disappointed. And there's a lot of fleets that are on the top 20 now that, you know, if, have been sort of in that area. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to see them actually on there. Yep. We're starting to get ready for the convention now and starting to collect mm-hmm. the list of who's going to be attending and representing their company. And, uh, I think, uh, it's going to be good. I think actually we're going to have more women on stage than we've ever had before. So that's, uh, that's great. Uh, I got another one actually a confirmation today of somebody who's going to be representing their company and it's, uh, it's another woman. So yeah, that could be, could be, Four out of the 20? Well, it's I think we most, actually have four right now. So that's quite excellent. It's the most, it's the biggest number of women that are on stage together at any time in that convention. In most industry events. Outside of wit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, so I like it. I mean, I'm kind of proud of that, that the, you know, the people yeah. who get to go on stage are, are not necessarily who you think they, you know, who the usual suspects are. Well, it's nice to you know, kind of be practicing what we preach, that we're encouraging fleets to embrace diversity and recognize that the industry is changing and they need to change along with it. And it's nice to see a top 20 on stage that sort of reflects that. So, yeah, I'm very happy about that. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, it's going to be nice to have so much fresh blood and so many mm-hmm. people that are up there new. And actually, even some of the companies that have been in it for a while are sending some new people or people that haven't been up on stage for quite a while. So yeah, I think you're going to have to do some corralling. You're going to have to, your ringleader job that you do on award day, you're going to be busy because there's going to be a bunch of them that are unfamiliar with the process. Yeah, there's going to be the group of Hall of Famers that could probably figured out themselves except for a reminder to take off their badges. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole new group that is probably going to be very nervous. Yeah. So I know maybe I should have a buddy system. <laughs> <laughs> buddy system. Your stage buddy, your yeah. best fleet stage okay, buddy. News bomb. Yeah. You take uh Brenny and letters express and, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah. That could be cool. You show them how to do it. Yeah. Pair off with your buddies and everybody sort of works together. Yeah. Well, we're also starting to put together the content for the results book and uh, some really interesting things sort of going through that. 
I went through last weekend and just compiled the raw information on the stats and what we're seeing and like the details that go into it. And uh, there's definitely some things to talk about in the book. I ended up writing, I think, way more than we have room for. And that was just in my raw bullets. So oh, good. I haven't read it. I haven't looked at it at all. Yeah. Well, it's all stuff that, that is not going to be that um, significant uh, to you. I mean, stuff, a lot of it is the notes that we compiled when we were doing the scoring, sort mm-hmm. of the things that we saw, uh, like, you know, the trends in HR or new things in operational strategy changes in work-life balance, you know, those kind of things. So, uh, and one of the ones that jumped out at me, and I don't know if we've talked about it much on this podcast. Uh, I really should do my homework and see what we talked about in the past. But <laughs> one of the things that jumped out was the, uh, the whole focus on mental health in terms of mm-hmm. wellness. So that really has shifted. we have talked about that. Uh, yeah, the change in the way people are doing professional development for their drivers, the growth of coaching programs that are based on uh, some other types of, dash cam activities and other things like that that are happening compensation we always look at what's going on there and it was kind of notable that not really a lot of talk about um, guaranteed pay that was sort of a big push for a long time and that people that have guarantees and like that's sort of become standard practice but almost nobody is needing them anymore because there's so much freight the drivers are just running like mad so yeah yeah that's that's kind of and almost too overworked a little bit So I know that at least one fleet was talking about, you know, giving them a little bit more time off Mm -hmm. or giving them more like a floating vacation day. Yep. I think that was Garner that they were giving a floating vacation day just to take the edge off. Just to chill out. Mm -hmm. Well, that ties back to the the mental health and Mm -hmm. a lot of the other things that have been happening sort of around general work-life balance and managing sort of the uh, total workplace experience and, and getting drivers to sort of um, work. Yeah. But not just working endlessly, like making sure that they're feeling decent about it and that they're uh, getting covered and getting supported where they need to. So yeah, some really, uh, interesting things coming out there. Uh, some stuff that sort of, uh, I guess coming out of other industry issues, like the pay is one of them that we have been wa- working for a while on uh, monitoring how people do this pay stability business. Um, and it became a non-issue in the past year. And similarly, we have also started asking how fleets get their drivers involved in specking the equipment. You know, how much input do drivers have on that sort of thing? And um, that was something that was growing. There was definitely innovative things that people were doing. But in the past year, it sort of dropped back a little bit because there's no point in ordering the trucks anyway. They're trying to spec equipment, but they can't get them. So average age of the fleet has gone up because they just can't get replacements. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, uh, did we score that? Uh, we did score on, yeah, how they include drivers in that okay. vehicle. But we input. didn't insist that they did it like this year or anything like that. No, it's it, just their process. The process. But right. what we noticed is that it shifted. Right. Like it, it definitely changed. Yeah. There was a lot of comments about that. Yeah. I remember. I just don't remember scoring it because scoring was like, yeah, 12 activities ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of back into course land. So best fleets is kind of out of my head. I am kind of that as well. And this is what happens with us every year that Mm -hmm. it's such an intense experience that when the announcement is done and uh, we did a recording for our best fleets podcast, uh, I guess that was Monday talking about the experience with all the first timers and just the intensity of that day. 
but a day or two later it's like oh what was that best fleets thing again oh yeah <laughs> you know you just sort of park it and move on to something else completely and we've done that so uh, we do have some things coming. We've got the results book that we're working on. We've got the new season of the Best Fleets podcast mm-hmm. that uh, we're starting it up and we're going to be taking a little bit of a different approach uh, this time. So we uh, interviewed internal staff on their experiences and what they thought about going through it. For the next one, I'm going to be interviewing with the sponsors and getting their impressions on things. So that's coming along and uh, I totally redesigned best fleets newsletter will be coming out at the end of this month as well so am i going to be on that podcast that best fleets podcast you were it went live already no 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 not the one that we just did the one with the sponsors can if you want okay you just kind of did it without talking to me well it's not like you're short of things to do you're usually <laughs> overworked and so i thought That's i would take true. that one off the plate and hey, we can it's alternate. fine it's fine no 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 you can no. do the you can do the next edition no you, can you do know the what April. you can do it i yeah so best fleets fills your brain whenever it's it's like the biggest project that you've ever done every year and it's just like overwhelming when you have a lot of it's a big content project. Like there's a lot of information that comes out of it. So there's a lot of projects where you're like just projects in general, like say you're uh, putting in a new system for something, you know, you're putting in a new dispatch mm-hmm. system. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's not, you're not making it up. You're trying to fit things into your own processes. You're trying to communicate those processes. You're trying to train people and do all of that stuff. But with, are with best fleets in the content projects as well. You have to go in there and just basically it consumes you. Mm-hmm. And so best fleet completely consumes me when I'm doing it. So it's all of our social media. It's all of our messaging. It's planning for the um, doing all the scoring, planning for the convention. It's just overwhelming. Oh, and the book as well. And who's going to do which parts? Because we're taking, we're taking the things that we used to do and we're moving it to other people, which is an immense amount of brain work, which yeah. is exhausting to do because you and I just did it. I well, know, we so figured bizarre. out, we figured out the, I guess, neural pathways to complete it on our own. And mm-hmm. now that we're bringing other people into it and showing them the ropes and getting them comfortable with it, it's a whole new set of pathways. And creating those pathways is exhausting, for sure. It's it's necessary. You need to have that coverage and you need to have more people involved and you need to have that perspective of those other people. But it is exhausting, for sure. And they found it exhausting yeah. to learn. Which we is found good. it exhausting to I teach. I would be very unhappy if they came through it and were like, yeah, that wasn't so bad. I mean, and you said it was going to be a big deal, but it actually wasn't too terrible. I would be like, what? This has been killing me for a decade. And you just sail in and it's easy? Yeah. I'm happy that they were ground into dust by it. And well, I guess my point was that every single course that I do is like that. Yep. So you get immersed in it because, you know, we don't know necessarily about the things that we're writing about or that we're creating content about, so we have to research it. And when you're researching it and writing it and you're trying to not tell people things that are obvious and we're trying to use language that makes sense and is an active voice and things like that, and you get completely consumed and you kind of forget about everything else that you did even a couple of weeks ago. So I'm now, 
I've moved on to hazardous materials transportation in the U.S. and in Canada, the regulations, because mm. we had to do a little bit of revamping for our hazmat course for ELDT. And we're also revamping our TDG course for Canada. And well, the hazmat one is the States, TDG is in Canada. And it is so bitsy. Like I, that's the word that I use for like so many details that you have to get right and so much accuracy and you can't, you have to make sure that you say things in a certain way and you have to make sure that this is, and then you also want to organize it so it makes sense to people who haven't done it before. It's very tedious. And then all the information about anything else goes out. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about is sort of the idea that we had we briefly talked about it yesterday and that is kind of what happens, you know, when a course starts and, and what is the nature of that project? And you're right with best fleets, it is all consuming and that's the only way to do it. You have to just climb in there and live there mm-hmm. exclusively until it's done. You have to basically ignore everything else and you sort of keep some of the day-to-day stuff going. But the reality is that your brain isn't focusing on that. And when you do an interview, you're in their you want to be in their world. Right. So if you were talking to a carrier, so talk about one of the top 20, um, so Brenny, uh, you know, you're in their world. You need mm-hmm. to figure out what they're doing. You need to make sure that you get all the information out of it. You need to read their questionnaire. You need to, you know, make sure you follow up on And that that interaction, just that one interview is that's exhausting just that one interview and you do two or three a day and you are, there's no room, Yep. no room at all. And then when Best Fleets is wrapped up, you move back onto your coursework where you're doing the same kind of thing where you're yep. climbing into this world and living there while reviewing the work that your people are doing mm-hmm. with storyboards and graphics and things like that. So, well, actually when we do, so when I'm working with other writers and um, creatives, we I do a weekly meeting and we just go around and talk about basically the status, uh, what's happening, what they may need. And but for every single course, I have to have enough knowledge about the content that I can be helpful that I, you know, so I have to know what to do for every single course and they're all very different. So right now we're working on defensive driving. We're also working on mental health. We're working on uh, uh, some translations and not only- And the dangerous good stuff that you mentioned before. Right, and I've actually taken that on. So I've taken it away from the writers because I want to, there's some things that I want to do to it and things that I want to sort of check. So I've, I've taken that on. So I'm actually doing content and I shouldn't be, but this one is a, it's a legacy course. It's, it's one of our old, it's the oldest course. The original the first course. course we ever did. So it's gone through all of these iterations and all of these, I've done all those iterations. So I know TDG pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could actually, you know, be responsible for placarding or anything like that, but I can, I understand where the rules are coming from. So I, I'm reading through this and thinking, no, we need to put this in there and this in there and this in there, or this is not in the right order. This doesn't make sense. So that's what I'm doing. But I have four or five other courses that I have to, Drug and Alcohol Canada, I'm like, 
okay, what are the regulations for that? And then hours of service for BC, for the motion picture industry. So I'm thinking, okay, what are those rules? So I have to like switch really quickly. And it's um, it can be really tiring and you, you stop, like things fall off. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that, that's how I, that's what I refer to it as, is things falling off, but things that you don't remember doing it. You don't remember making a decision. You kind of have to put processes in place so that there's enough knowledge in the team that someone knows. Yep. And this is new for me. I've never had so many people and so many things going on at once that I haven't been able to keep it all in my head. Well, and on top of that, the continual effort to grow that team. Mm-hmm. Because everywhere we look, there's a spot where we need need help. We need a yeah. new person. So you've been busy. You've got a new person starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got two other positions that we're coming to the end of hiring for. And pretty much as soon as those are wrapped up, we're going to have other posts that go out. I mean, I've got another post that I'm going to try and finish and get out today. So it yeah, is just an endless, an, an endless shuffle from one, I don't even know what to call it. it it's like going from one foxhole to another. You know, you climb down into that foxhole and you live there for a little bit and then you climb out and move over to this other one. And for the past, I don't know, a couple of months, I've been sort of overseeing a handful of different departments as well that are very different. So um, helping our new marketing team get up to speed, our new head of marketing has come on board and done a a great job, but I still got to transition and explain why do we do all the weird things that we do. And I've been sort of overseeing the uh, customer experience group as well. And also looking after the platform development team. Well, platform development is very different than customer <laughs> support. And that's very different than marketing. Yeah. Right. And I've got to make sure that I'm sort of talking to each audience in the right way. And I'm not talking about a bunch of marketing stuff to coders and not talking about code to marketing or, or to, to support and things like that that don't really matter to them. But I also have to make sure that things don't fall through the cracks or more accurately, I need to minimize the number of things that are falling through the cracks that aren't caught by somebody else. We're fortunate to have a really good group of team mm-hmm. leads in all of these departments uh, who do catch a lot of the stuff that falls off my tray. Well, that's why we have the team leads, which are this very good group of people that we have who are, have you know, really been leaders in their own groups. And yeah, things that we could not possibly get to that we just couldn't do. And they've sort of backfilled and taken care of it. And that's what's been happening in content because it is a, it's getting to be a large department. It's getting, you know, we've added, we have a new um, multimedia production assistant whose name is Carly, who's going to be starting. And she's basically, we found that we had this whole entire hole of people are creating the storyboards and people are doing the graphics, but nobody's putting them together. Yeah. So I found that I was doing it. (laughs) So I was like, hey, wait a minute, should I be doing this? Is this the best use of my time? Or we have a translation and these translations sit around for a while because nobody's available mm-hmm. to just put them in the system or put them in Endicott and, and, or put them in our course development system and, and put them out. So I, it is, unfortunately, what's going to end up happening is I'm going to probably end up with, okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, let me catch up. Yeah, that's the the downside of having all of these 
good people that are all mm-hmm. overachievers and are all yeah. eager to keep things moving is they're just constantly, okay, this is ready. <laughs> I know, I know. And so, you, can you be slower, please? And because I'm really desperate to work on TDG, I'm really, like, I can feel the reluctance of, you know, I'm in the foxhole and I want to stay there, but there are things that I need to, like, I need to send out an audio script, so I need to review it. And so I'm climbing mm. back out, going, okay, I'll do it. And then I, and then I have to do this podcast. So I was actually in the, you know, I've had to climb out of the foxhole of, of not TDG. <laughs> TDG is what I want to do, but yeah. I was actually doing security awareness in Spanish. Mm. And then I climbed out of the foxhole and then, now I'm down here. In, in the basement, in the, in the, in the basement foxhole. Yeah. Well, yeah, that is the, it is crazy. The and nature it, of a growing company for sure. But what I want to make sure that we do is don't ignore the holes that oh, we, sure. you know, as we grow and we find, you know, if you keep your eye out, you can see holes in your processes that you didn't have before because you were doing multiple things like you and the general you when you're doing multiple things and wearing multiple hats you don't realize that you're doing 12 things that is actually ends up being three different people's jobs yeah until you start trying to hire people like when, when you and i and maybe two other people were working in the company we didn't really think that much about doing all of the things that we do in Best Fleets. Mm-hmm. We just did it. And then we didn't do very much else, right. <laughs> which was okay because we didn't have that many customers. But it was, so we were okay. But as you grow and Best Fleets grows, then you're like, okay, I can't, you know, have to, I have to move this to other people. But what we found is that oh, how many different people do we need for Best Fleets now? Well, we had six people full-time for interviewing and scoring. Okay, plus the marketing. Yeah, then we had like... The The whole marketing team was uh, was booked solid. Yeah. yeah. So we definitely have realized that we need somebody whose entire job is nothing but best fleets. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the positions that we're going to be posting is a dedicated program manager for the best fleets program. Somebody who has experience managing projects, keeping things moving, can juggle a whole lot of pieces, can do interviewing, can do data analytics, ideally can do some speaking and understands media and all of that. Like it's a really multifaceted role. When we started sort of putting together all of the tasks and I just did a kind of a brain dump of all of the things that we do, it was like, Oh, okay. I see why we need a full-time person because yeah, and a senior person. This too. is a lot of stuff. It's yeah. not a, it's, it's not, a because you were thinking that at first it was going to be a more junior position, like more kind mid level. Yeah. yeah, it was just going to be kind of like someone to keep the the wheels turning and things like that. But it's not. No. It's, yeah, which you don't realize when you start something like this what it's going to end up being. Yeah, yeah, and was, it tends to grow into stuff like that. I was saying to Chrissy today, who Chrissy is our, um, I want to say occupational specialist, but it's not that <laughs> compliance, <laughs> compliance, transportation I'd, compliance. I had occupational in my head and that's a therapist that's not a that's not not our occupational therapist (laughs) yet (laughs) until we discover that we actually need somebody in that position too and so he's uh, we were talking about the courses and and i was saying because she's going to be working on a project that is kind of gathering all of our course content and figuring out 
what we're going to do to put into put into the system like it's basically it's course management stuff and um and I said I finally said you know when you're when you create one or two courses you you don't think that you're going to have you know you don't think you're going to be in it for 15 years and have 80 courses that are in three different languages and are for two different countries and and all of these different like five different vehicle types like that never I didn't no. know no it never occurred <laughs> I didn't to even us have any idea so it kind of creeps up on you like best fleets crept up on us well even on that uh, content library like when I first designed our authoring system that we use now for building things it never occurred to me how quickly the number of individual resources was going to expand and explode. And you, know, you get to the point where you got 50,000 images and I, I'm not lying. We're in that neighborhood of 50,000 different images across all the different pages in all the different courses and probably the same number of audio files oh, yeah. that are all tied to different bits of things and movies and all of these pieces and plus the variations and things. So then you realize, Oh, we've got to figure out a way to manage this library because there's a lot of stuff in here and it just keeps growing. I mean, you've got a, a functional team that works very well and you're cranking out a lot of content. The downside of that is we need to give you better tools for managing that library of content. We actually do pretty well on creating the content. Our system for making interactive pages is pretty decent. Uh, I, I think there's always things that can be added, but overall you guys are able to create a lot of really good stuff and really nice interactions and really engaging pages. But now I look at it as like, okay, well, how do we find where this one image might be used? Or is there an image of X available somewhere? And if you don't happen to remember working on that course or it doesn't stick in your head, how do you remember all of that? Well, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff to go through and to stay on top of. And we need to give better tools for yeah. organizing it all. I mean, there are ways that I organize it. There are, they are organized. I have, I don't have, I think I organize them offline. Well, that's more. the thing. You end up doing it on your local machine or you do it, you do content bits through Word docs and things like that. You know, if you want to find out where some bit of content is, you search all your storyboards in yeah. Word. Yeah. yeah. So we just need, well, we've done a lot of customer features and yeah. the, uh, what we're working, there is some work going on on internal features that no one will ever see. And it's really, it's not for any other reason than to make content development's job easier. Well, I think customers will see it. And this is what I think about, and I'm sort of thinking and um, really talking think to so? the, the platform team more broadly about the customer isn't just the fleet that subscribes to us. The customer is also the content team, which are very heavy users of our system because they're in there building courses all of the time and updating courses and the support team that are in there supporting customers and servicing them and helping uh, keep track of everything that customers need. Uh, so there are really three groups of, of customers and the carrier that orders a subscription from us they've had a lot of attention. We've got a lot of features in there for them and they're in pretty good shape. The other two groups have kind of been the proverbial cobbler's children with no shoes uh, and have you know, been 
living on scraps for a bit. And so now we're focused. A We've fair made bit. our own shoes out of cardboard. Yes. <laughs> cardboard and duct tape. Yeah. So we are now focusing a lot more attention on that, but it is not selfish because all of it does ultimately create a better experience. If you guys are in a better position in terms of managing your library and able to update things and get your content out more quickly, that's going to mean more new titles, more variations, uh, a better understanding of things that customers need and how they're using it. So it's going to be a better experience for them that way. And it's the same thing with all of the tools that we're working on adding for the customer experience group that it's going to help them manage the customer relations and know who they need to be checking in with and doing the outreach and all of those other things. And a lot of it, a lot of the stuff they're asking for are kind of enhancements that really are just going to make a better better product for the customer so that support doesn't have as much workload. Now, we already are in a pretty fortunate position that for the number of customers we have, we really don't have that many support people. No. And, you know, and, and that's, I think, based on the philosophy, philosophy that you and I have always had that customer support is the best indicator of your product quality. If your support team is flooded, you've got a product issue. Mm-hmm. If your support team is sitting around bored, like the old Maytag repairman, that's the ideal, right? They want to be sitting around with nothing to do because people never need to call in. So we're not at that level yet, but we are in pretty good shape considering the however many thousand fleet customers that we have. We've got in our support team two and a half people that are doing really doing frontline support and they do a great job of it. But the fact that we can support that many users and that many customers with that many people means that we've done pretty well in terms of making a usable system, a stable system, an intuitive system. So we're not in bad shape with that. But the more we can do to make their lives easier, the better the experience will be for customers. And it's the same thing with content. The better that we can make our authoring tools, our library management, our interactions, then the the better your team will be able to use those to enhance the product. Yep. That is the, that is the, uh, base assumption. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my words there. It's moving more slowly than I would like. Uh, but we are at least moving in that direction. And we, and you always uh, feel so much better when you see the deficiencies in other products. Oh, like, yes. Indeed, I think is the one, <laughs> the one that we've been disparaging the most. Yes. Because, oh my God, Indeed is, there's some parts of it that are amazing and some parts that are just well, the clunkiest. It is a, a great example of how you will use a service if it provides what you need, even if it's clunky, unintuitive, and often just flat out doesn't work. So yeah, I, I typically do a lot of the hiring and for this last position, Jane was uh, actively involved and being reminded of the um, the unrefined natures of, of Indeed's uh, interface. Well, they have this whole thing. Indeed has this whole system of accommodations, which I had never seen before. And apparently, that's only related to the to tests, those tests, which and, are also pretty new. And I'm also kind of regretting putting any tests in the job description. Like you can attach tests of like, you know. I don't know what, it, like not personality tests, but sort of behavioral tests or skills knowledge, test. skills tests. Yeah. And so I added a couple of those to my latest writer position. And 
Then I started getting all this mail about accommodations. And I'm like, what? Accommodations? See, with your production analyst job or production assistant, whatever you called that, mm-hmm. I had tests in there as well. And I got all of those kind of things. Well, I just sort of ignored them. The problem is, it's not that... It's not that the accommodation feature is there. I have no problem with that. An accommodation, as we know uh, from personal experience, is one, the basic type of accommodation is get more time on a test. Yeah. Absolutely no problem. But there is another accommodation that Indeed has, which is like the person will tell you Hmm. that, you know, you have to figure this out on your own. Contact the person. Hmm. And it's like. So you go into Indeed and you're trying to, you find the person and you're trying to find any kind of contact about the accommodation, but they finished and completed the test. So obviously that accommodation wasn't all that important. So, but you can't find anything about the accommodation. It's like, what is this thing? What request did they actually make? Yeah, I have no idea. It's a pretty new function and they're still figuring out how they want to make it available to people and what they want to do with it. So, Well, here's my theory is that in Canada, you have to give accommodations to people when they request it. Mm -hmm. But if, if Indeed is trying to put that in to say, okay, you can request more time, but if there's another kind of accommodation, we don't know what that is. So you're going to have to talk to the, Mm. the potential employer about it. That's when, that's what they've done is they basically said, and here's your catch all you, you deal with it. But it seems like every person applying for the position and being given those tests asked for the accommodation. Yeah, get flooded with them. Yeah. It's very weird. And then I feel bad because I'm not accommodating people, but I don't know what the accommodation is. You don't know is. how to go in and do it. Yeah. And when you go in and look at the applicants, it's really hard to even see uh, yeah, how they've done on the tests or like you can't filter by the people that are the top scorers on the tests or anything like that. So yeah, our podcast has turned into a review of the Indeed platform. <laughs> but I think the point was it makes don't you feel use, better. Don't use functionality and indeed it doesn't help you. No, I think it does. I mean, we've certainly hired a lot of great people through there. It's yes. been a really good tool for us. Yeah, uh, I, but think, I think I'm on the make, bleeding edge. And it does make me feel better about the quality of right. our product. Every time I see that or I see some weirdness in Jira or Box or Slack or any of the other tools that we use. Like today, oh, Slack they wasn't go down. even updating messages. Ooh. Yeah, like they kept showing as unread, even though I read the whole channel. So yeah, or it went down because AWS had gone down or something. Yeah, all of these things are not irritants to me. They're reassurances. Yes. We go, oh yeah, it's not just us. Other people have this too. Oh yeah. Because we are very much overachievers. If, yeah, if drives me people nuts had every not, time I see a problem. If people had not noticed, yeah, we are overachievers, big time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so other people's failures, we don't gloat over it. We just heave a sigh of relief. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't. No, I don't gloat at all. And and maybe it sounds like we're sort of trashing. Uh, indeed, uh, because of the way their function works, but I totally understand where they're coming from. They're trying something new. They're throwing it out into the field. You got to put stuff in the field and see how people react to it and see how they use it. And then from there you adjust, you make enhancements, you, you tweak the functionality, all of that kind of thing. And sometimes you really can't assess how they're going to use it, how the market is going to use something until you try it. That is absolutely true. And just as a as a comment to Indeed, in case they're listening, I have 
300 job applicants after a week, and I think about 50 of them have asked for accommodations and completed the test. So I don't even know what to do about that. What am I, am I going to send individual messages to 50 people, some of whom are not qualified? Like I've got people who have restaurant work applying for a writing job that have no And the criteria is like five years of professional writing experience. But they don't have it in their resume. So it's like, well. Yeah, they can write down orders when they're waiting tables. Is that the accommodation is I don't have experience to do this job. So can I have it anyway? Yeah. Well, that's the the nature of any post. You put it out there. And usually the first day, it's all people that are wildly unqualified. There's people that just apply for everything. And then over the next couple of days, you start to get the people that are close to being qualified and that are worth looking at. But yeah, you've got to sift through it because there's a ton of them. Oh, it's a, it's a chore. It yeah. is a big chore. I usually leave it for the weekend when I can spend a couple hours and go through it because you can easily get 200 applicants in a day or two. So I can see why trucking companies are so like track applicant tracking is such a, a booming business. Yeah. Because if you're constantly hiring, then yeah. Oh my God. Like we do it every once in a while. Like we do it, you know, what, every, every six months or so? Uh, no, we pretty steadily have positions out, but we don't have that many. Uh, but part of the reason that we don't hire more quickly than we do is because I've got to look at how much time I can reasonably spend sifting through these things. I'm not going to put a post out when I'm too busy to go through and review anything. So yeah, if there was a more efficient way of screening things and screening applicants that were actually qualified, the problem is for the positions that we're creating that are brand new positions, and sometimes they're positions that don't really exist in a standard way yeah. in, the, in the industry or anywhere else in the world, it's hard to know what somebody actually is qualified for or, or what that looks like. You know, we talked about that Best Fleets program manager that we're going to put out there. How do you screen for that? What What's the... criteria. You've already run a successful national employment um, satisfaction program somewhere else. Well, maybe three of those people and who knows where they are. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, I could think of it and I could come up with stuff, but it is, it's tough. Well, even for content, I mean, what is, what are the skills? It took us a long time to figure that out. Yeah, we've got a, I think I have a pretty good system now. But Definitely. I was going to say, just on the topic of, of moving people into positions and hiring and stuff like that, that we have actually had our first internal promotion. Yeah. I was going to mention that as well. I think we need a dedicated section of our podcast yes. to highlight this. That yes, we have an, a, a, well, do we, is this the announcement? Are we announcing this publicly? I think so. Yeah. Okay. You go ahead. No, no, no. You go. I'll do the drum roll. No, no, no. You do it. Oh. Because I'm going to get the words wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to say it properly. You're not sure I the am name not prepared. of the person? No, no, no. I know okay. the name of the person. Well, so we had an opening, uh, which was the Director of Customer Experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were going to put the post out there um, fairly soon. But, of course, we want to let internal people uh, express an interest. And somebody did. And it was somebody that was pretty much an ideal fit. Mm-hmm. So it... Uh, hadn't really occurred to me that she would be interested in it until she said it. And then I started thinking about it. It's like, oh yeah, this is perfect. Yeah. So we're very happy to announce our own Courtney Muir is uh, now taking over as director of customer experience. Yay. 
So even though she moved from director of alliance partners to director of customer experience, it's a different job. Uh, certainly more responsibility. Yeah, She's got the, the whole support team under her and we will now, well, I don't have to hire a support manager, which is a bonus, although hiring a support manager is a little bit easier than what I now have to do, which is hire somebody to manage all of our partner relationships. <laughs> this is the problem is the downside of uh, promoting someone internally is that then you have to go and replace the person that you just promoted. But that's fine. I'm I'm happy to do that. She's I, you know, I have full confidence in Courtney. She's been she's been amazing. So she's been one of our she's been our, with us for three and a half years now. I know, but it seems like more than five. Yeah, it seems like forever, doesn't it? Yeah. And you know, I I can't remember what I was going to say, but that one fell off. Yeah. That so one fell off. That was that was just like but she is uh, definitely, I mean, if I had, if I had known that she was interested in doing it, I would have been like, oh yeah, but she had to kind of tell us. Mm-hmm. Well, it has worked out. So but it's interesting. started this earlier this week. We haven't been big enough, I think, to actually have career paths internally. Um, Cause you would I have had to have that. A- or if it's just that we haven't had anybody with an interest and aptitude in any of the positions we've been posting. Right. Well, if you look at it, all of the positions that we've been posting have been kind of takeover. Well, you either have to have a certain number of skill sets. So it's not like we're going to have internal promotions to the platform team. Right. You know, so that team, no. Same thing with content. I mean, I don't think anybody like someone in platform or support, are they going to be a writer? I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good point. So we haven't like, so there's been a limited amount of actual internal uh, career growth that you can do because the company's really small. Well, it's not, yeah, it's been growing for a little while, but what happens is as we grow, positions shift and the job changes. And we've definitely seen this and we're going to be talking more about it at our, our staff meeting next week that, Jobs change. So your job today will be different a year from now. But what's traditionally happened through that evolution is we start looking at all of the ways that it's changing and we talk to the person who's doing it and say, okay, what parts of it don't you want to do? You know, what parts are you interested in and what parts don't you want to do? Because we've realized that for every job, anything that somebody hates doing, there's somebody else out there who loves doing it. So we'll go find somebody who loves doing it get them in it and they'll be happy rather than somebody else suffering through it who doesn't want to. So we've had a lot of those where we sort of peel things off and we split jobs up into two or or three different positions. And then we look around and everybody internally is like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So we go and post it (laughs) and we go and find somebody who loves it. Right. Or who is, who is okay to do it every day, who isn't thinking it's a part of their job that they hate. It is their job. So they have chosen to do that job. Which is the whole multimedia production assistant. That's is, a great example. Yeah. We had this hole where people were putting courses online, but they weren't, it wasn't their real job and they weren't super. They were okay with it yeah. once in a while, but it was getting to be a lot it was, and everybody was having to do it. Well, this is the other thing is you find that there are tasks that everybody is spending a little bit of their time doing and they don't really like it, they'll do it because they're team players and they'll help out and they're, they're sort of eager to support the cause, but I don't really love it. 
And then you realize that, oh, well, if we take this hour a day away from all of these people, we actually have got half or two thirds of a job here. Plus we've got these other things that we would like to do that nobody's been able to do. Huh? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a position, boom, job created. And we start posting for that. Yeah. And then when we get the right person in the job, then all of the other jobs become very, very clear. Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So when Sarah started and, and she's been gotten up to speed really, really nicely, it's like she could have 12 people in her department. Well, this is where I felt kind of stupid as well as I started by, we brought, uh, brought in some other uh, staff in the marketing team and then we brought her in uh, to lead the group. And then all of a sudden I realized that, well, we've got all of these marketing people, but we don't actually have a graphic designer. (laughs) Like all of our marketing is based on visuals and I'm really big on having movies and good images and and nice, clean visual stuff. And all of these things are requiring a designer. Oh, well, I didn't hire any designers. What the hell was I thinking? You can only use mine so much. (laughs) Well, but before... It would be you and I doing it. Yeah, and right? and I would do most of the design, and you and know, I would we sort would of do, do some of the marketing here and there. And then I look at it, and it's like, why the hell did I think I could do this sort of part time, or that we could have one junior coordinator doing it? We got like five people in this department now, and they're all run off their feet. And I have to say that in in general, I think graphic designers are undervalued. Oh, very much so. Because, yeah. you know. Berenice and Rachel, who are my content team's graphic designers, do amazing work. And they certainly bring things to life. And I think that, and they've been really, they've been doing a lot of work for marketing as well. And sort of backfilling that. Um, So they've both been really, really good. And really, like, helpful and team players and stuff like that. And, And I look at, you know, what the market is for this type of, of skill. And it's just so. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, it really reminds me of my life as a musician where you put years and years into Mm -hmm. developing a level of skills and the market says, well, I mean, we don't want to pay you money, but we'll give you exposure, you know, you you know, and you could sell to somebody else. Like that's such an insult. And then the world does that to the graphics people as well. You Mm -hmm. like, you go to these things like What's that site like Fiverr or something or one of these places where um, you basically have a bunch of people throw in all their designs at no charge. You pick the one you want and then you pay like 25 bucks for their design or something. It's such an insult to designers to just make them sort of compete with each other for a scrap of a project. And I just find it very offensive that people even use those sites. But I mean, here I am working in a software company because nobody thinks paying a musician is <laughs> is a smart thing to do. Everybody wants to listen to music. They don't want musicians to get paid, right? All music should be free. Well, how do you want those musicians to eat? Yeah. I well, think... you don't want them to eat because you want them to be thin all the time. So, <laughs> you know, how are they going to buy all those drugs? Well, what, what I was saying is that we don't realize how much visuals are part of our company that we don't even realize that, you know, you didn't realize you needed a graphic artist for marketing because you thought that someone else could do it and just kind of do it. And I didn't really think much of it either. And it just kind of happened that it was like, oh my God, we need a graphic designer. I'm thinking, oh yeah, we could probably hire another three and, and be able to keep them busy. Oh yeah. 
And I'm thinking that probably in the next six months, I'll probably need another one. You'll need another one. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking about that with writers too. Like we need another technical writer type. Yeah. That's just helping out with support and with the platform team. So, yeah. And, and it just goes on and on and on. Maybe what I should do is just hire an HR person full time <laughs> to just do the hiring. You know, there is that. We, I well, was thinking that the other day. It's like, well, we may has, be big enough for HR. has crossed my mind uh, that we should be using our potentially using our HR consultant to do some of that. But I'm very picky about who I want to bring in and what we like and don't like and who's a fit on our team. So I don't know that I would want to outsource that right now or have somebody else doing it. Yes, we're very happy with our current HR consultant. Absolutely. Maybe she wants to be full-time. Yeah, she's got other projects and things, but no, I, I would rather do it myself right now. So. At some point, it's going to be overwhelming. You're going to have to oh, yeah. let somebody else Well, do I'm it. transitioning it with each manager that comes in. It's like, okay, here's the process. Next time <laughs> you do it. And the other thing, yeah, it would be good because then we'd have someone to track vacation days properly. <laughs> uh, I'm yes. just getting to the point where just, you know, just have vacation. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. Just make it not a problem for me. Yeah, don't ask me how many vacation days you have. And it's actually so stressful for me that I, I was like, can someone deal with this? <laughs> Tiffany, who yeah. is is awesome for doing stuff like that, she's taking it on. So everybody's tracking their own stuff. But uh, it's it's that is too much for me. That just falls off. Yeah. All those keeping track of that stuff. Well, yes. And that's funny that you mentioned vacation days because that came up at the support team meeting that I was at just before this because there was a long discussion about tracking all of those things there as well. So and you these know, are the, uh, the headaches we have to deal us, with. For us, like we just don't have vacation ever. So when we do decide to take time off, I mean, we've probably got weeks and weeks of it accumulated. And yeah. it doesn't, it's not the same for the owners of the company, but we just don't take vacation really not enough no no not nearly enough and we're looking forward to having a three-day weekend like that's yeah. like the big vacation but we've kind of forgotten that whole other side of it where people have lives yeah <laughs> outside of working for us don't they want to work <laughs> 60 hours a week 51 weeks a year and they're concerned about you know how do i take time off do, which what bit of this is included in time off what do i have to do as the process and you're like oh and for both of us it's like oh i don't even care <laughs> like you're doing a you're doing a great job you manage it if you need time off take time off like who i know whatever yeah <laughs> Just, you know, don't disappear. It hurts my brain more trying to figure it out than having you gone for a day or three days or a week. I know. So. And especially last year, everybody took vacation. Well, we said, you know, and nobody could do much in 2020. So in 2021, we said, go take the time, go do stuff. And people did. And I think there's going to be a little bit of that this summer as well. People are going to take a lot of time off. Oh, good. So, but they will have been tracking their vacation properly. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll ask Tiffany if they have. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There we go. Yeah. Is that a good place to end? I think that might be. All right. Here on the Friday of a long weekend yeah. where we will track our time off. So yes. thanks for listening, everybody. And have a good day. Have a good weekend.